Today we're going to look at Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 24, which is the wife's role in marriage. The wife's role in marriage. And there's three parts to this passage. There's the command, the analogy, and the testimony. So that's going to be the three points of our sermon this morning. The command, the analogy, and the testimony. So let's look at the command. We'll start there. Ephesians 5, verse 22 says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit. That word submit is hapatasso, hapatasso, which is the Greek word that means to submit, to obey, to be submissive. It's actually a term in the Greek that was used as a military term. It literally means to submit to the orders or directives in someone in authority. We've talked about this word a lot throughout the last uh, few months. In Greek, here, it's an imperative. It's a command. But it's in the middle voice, which is interesting, and we don't have really a middle voice in English. The middle voice shows a personal involvement or interest in a command. In other words, this is a voluntary submission. It's a command, but it's not a forced submission. It's a willing submission. Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. It's not wives submit to any husbands or women submit to men. That's not what it's saying. There's an intimacy here. Submit to your own husband. Marriage is a covenant relationship. It's the most important relationship next to our relationship with God. Marriage, again, is foundational to the family, which we just said is foundational to society. Therefore, marriage is the most important relationship in all of society. You think about that. Half of marriages today will end in divorce. And if you've been divorced and you're here, there's grace. I'm not trying to shame you. It's the reality. Half of marriages today will end in divorce. It's five times as many divorces today. There's five times as many divorces today as the early 19th century. The good news is that divorce rate's actually going down. I don't know if you know this. The bad news is it's because people are just not getting married. They just live together. The family is being attacked. There's so much confusion around it. We don't even know if a man and woman should be who marries. The Bible is clear. Marriage is between one man, one woman, and men and women have different roles within marriage. And these roles are meant to complement each other. It's actually, theologians call this complementarianism because they complement each other. The husband is called to lead. The wife is called to be a helpmate. And when the husband, the man, is fulfilling his role and the wife and the woman is fulfilling her role, it is beautiful. It actually beautifully reflects unity and diversity. Unity, one flesh, one married couple, that's one flesh, diversity, diverse roles. It reflects the Trinity, who's a unified diversity, unified one God, diversity, different roles within the Godhead. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The Lord here clearly is Jesus. So what does it mean, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord? Because that's really strong language when you read that. Well, I want to start what it can't mean. I just want to be clear. It can't be comparative. It can't mean wives submit to your own husbands to the same degree as you submit to the Lord. The New Testament obviously never calls for submission to another human being to the same degree or level as our submission to the Lord. In fact, 
The New Testament apostles say the opposite. In Acts 5.29, Peter told the authorities, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. In other words, if you ever get to a place where there's a conflict between the command of God and a command of an earthly authority, you must obey God rather than man. I've said this before, and we should be familiar with this. If an earthly authority commands us to do something that God forbids or forbids us to do something that God has commanded, Peter and the apostles say, we must obey God rather than men. So we don't submit to earthly authorities at the same level or degree as we do Christ. Christ is our Lord. He is our highest authority. So what does as to the Lord mean? Well, it's a very important hermeneutical principle. Hermeneutics is a fancy word for the the science and art of interpreting scripture. A very important principle in interpreting scripture is you should always let the clearer passages of scripture interpret the less clear passages of scripture. As to the Lord can't mean to the same degree. So what does it mean? Well, if you look at the near context, look at verse 21 real quick. Submitting, there's that same word, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ, the word here is phobos, which is the word we get fear from. So verse 21 could be translated, submitting to one another out of fear of Christ. In other words, we obey our earthly authorities not out of fear of that authority. We obey our earthly authorities out of reverence, out of fear for Christ. In other words, I submit out of my love and respect for Christ to earthly authorities. Remember, we've been talking about Colossians and how Colossians is a parallel book, a parallel text. Paul wrote Colossians and Ephesians right around the same time, and, and they parallel each other, so they help you understand each other, and they should be read together. Well, this is what Colossians 3.18 says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Not equal to, in other words, uh, not at the same level as the Lord, but as fitting as the Lord. That means your submission to your husband is obeying Christ. When you submit to an authority, when you submit to your husband, you're doing it out of obedience to Christ because submission is commanded by God. In other words, again, your submission shows a desire to obey Christ, and that's what I think as to the Lord means. Submit to your own husband as to the Lord. So that's the command. I want to look at the analogy. The analogy, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And the second time, Paul's used this analogy in Ephesians as Christ being the head and the church being the body. We saw this in Ephesians 1.22. He says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. So what's this mean? It means that Christ has authority over the church. I mean, think of the analogy for a second. I think we hear the word body and head so much that we don't think of what that is analogy of. It's analogy of our body. The head and your body are intimately connected, obviously. And the head has authority over the body. The head gives direction to the body, and the body responds. You think of marriage. When a man leaves his family and clings to his wife, he becomes one flesh with that wife. 
just like the head is one flesh with the body. They're one, and there's a mystery here for sure. In fact, look at verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And Paul says this mystery is profound. The husband is the head. The wife is the body. The husband has the responsibility to direct and lead the wife. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Paul adds an interesting phrase there. It says, as Christ is the head of the church, which there's the analogy, his body, but then he adds this, and is himself his savior. Why would he add that little phrase at the end? I, I, I truly just think he's foreshadowing verse 25. He's reminding the readers that verse 25 is coming. Husbands, love your wives. In fact, look at verse 28, this passage. It's all one argument, one thought. Verse 28 says this, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Think of the analogy again, the head and the body, right? One flesh. And of course, the head is going to do whatever it can to love, to cherish, to nourish, to protect his body. Because he's a part of it. They're one. The head is a part of the body. Look at verse 28 again. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Again, we have that phrase, just as Christ does the church. That's our example. Christ's love for the church. Christ as the head, the church as the body. You know what? I think Paul really understood this well. I think he got this analogy well, what it means that Christ loves the church. In fact, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. This is Paul's conversion, Acts chapter 9. This is Paul before he was saved. Paul and Saul, the same person. He was a persecutor of the church, the body of Christ. Look what it says in verse 1. But Saul, again that's Paul, but Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and, and asked for, for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that he, if he found any belonging to the way, the way is just another name for the church. If he found the church there, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. In other words, arrest them. He, he was seeking to destroy the church. Remember what the church is. It's the body of Christ. Verse 3, now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus to persecute the church, and suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him. Later on, Paul talks about this, and he says this light was brighter than the sun. I remind you, they're in the desert at noon, and Jesus outshined the sun. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul is persecuting the church. And Jesus comes to Saul and stops him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why does Jesus say this? 
because the church and Christ have an inseparable union. Christ is the head. The church is his body. When you attack the church, you're attacking the body of Christ. You're attacking Christ himself. Look at verse 5. And he said, Who are you, Lord? Paul. I think Paul knew. That's why he calls him Lord. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Again, Jesus identifies with his bride, with his body. Now turn back to Ephesians 5.23. I think Paul understood this analogy well. Verse 23, he says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as, this is our example, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Jesus loved the church. So much he went to the cross for her. He died for her. His body, as, as is himself a savior, he gave his body for the church. This is foreshadowing the husband's role in marriage. So we have the command, wives submit. We have the analogy, the, this analogy of the head and the body. And the third point today is the testimony. The testimony. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit. Your submission, in other words is a testimony of Christ in the church. Wives, your submission is a testimony to the gospel. Paul makes this clear in verse 31. Again, this is all one argument. Therefore, a man shall leave his wife and mother and hold fast, uh, or should leave it, or a man should leave his, sorry, father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I just want to be clear because I think we get this backwards. God didn't look down at marriage and go, you know what, that's a good analogy. I think I'll use that to talk about Christ and the church. God created marriage to be a testimony to the gospel. He created marriage to be a testimony of Christ's profound love for the church. For non-Christians, this is common grace. They don't even know they're a part of this. For Christians, this means your marriage should be a living testimony to the world of Christ's love for the church. You know what that means? Your marriage is not about you. Your marriage is way bigger than you. It's not about your happiness. It's a testimony of Christ's love for the church. It should be a testimony to your kids. It should be a testimony to your neighbors. It should be a testimony to each other. Wives, you have the responsibility to love, respect, and submit to the headship of your husband. And when you do this, even when your husband's unworthy, when you do this, you are a living testimony of God's grace. Look at verse 
24 again. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Again, everything shouldn't be absolute. Christ is our highest authority. We've already talked about this. A wife should not submit to their husbands in matters that are sinful, harmful, or contrary to God's command. But this is God's plan for marriage, that husbands would lead. That husbands would lead and wives would submit to their leadership as helpmates. Let me read this passage again, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. It's a controversial passage. There might even be a few of you that are upset just hearing this passage. But I want to make some things clear. I want to end on on some things just to, to make clear because it's such a controversial passage. I just want to say three things this, this passage is not saying. Three things that this passage doesn't mean. First, it doesn't mean that wives are less valuable. It doesn't mean that wives are less valuable. Biblical submission doesn't equal inferiority. Biblical authority doesn't equal being superior either. Jesus is our greatest example of this, of course. Jesus was submissive. John 8, 28, I do nothing out of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. He was under the Father's authority. John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was submissive to his Father, but he wasn't lesser in value equally valuable, equally God, different roles. In fact, Jesus was submissive to his earthly parents. We've talked about this. Luke 2.50 says this, and they, this is Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, did not understand the saying that, that Jesus, he had spoken to them. And he, this is Jesus, went down with them anyways, just by the way, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, even though they didn't understand. He was submissive to them. He wasn't less valuable. So being submissive doesn't mean less valuable. Second, it doesn't mean wives are spiritually inferior either. Galatians 3.26 makes this clear. For in Christ Jesus, you all are, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are all saved the same way, through faith, through Christ's works on the cross, not ours. We may have different roles within the church, within our marriage, may have different giftings, but we are all equally saved by grace. We all equally don't deserve the salvation we have. Third, submission doesn't mean a wife's opinion doesn't matter. In fact, I want you to think about this. All the one another's found in scripture, there's 59 of them are around there, all of them are 
applied to the marriage relationship. Both husband to wife and wife to husband. Let me just give a few examples of the one another's in Scripture. Love one another. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Serve one another. Be kind to one another. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not lie to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. That's not just within the church. That's within the marriage bond. Ephesians 4.25 says to speak truth to one another. In other words, wives, you're called to speak truth to your husband. Of course, that should be in a respectful way. Look at verse 33. It says this, let the wife see that she respects her husband. But you're called to speak truth. Think about this. Even verse 22 applies to marriage. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How does a husband submit to his wife? That might be controversial at our church. (laughs) He submits in love. He submits in love. It doesn't mean he doesn't lead, but he leads sacrificially in love. He submits his wants, his desires, his preferences. He submits his whole life for the good of his wife, as we'll see next week. In fact, I just want to end with this. I believe the main reason verse 22 is so controversial, even in the church, wives submit to your own husband, is because people don't understand the weight of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the harder calling. That's the more impossible calling. That's the more selfless calling. It's the more sacrificial command. In verse 22, wives are called to sacrifice their liberty to follow their husband, to submit to their husband. In verse 25, husbands are called to sacrifice their lives out of love for the wife. Again, that doesn't mean we don't lead. Christ leads the church. But he led sacrificially. He washed the disciples' feet. He went to the cross for them. That's our calling, husbands. That's the harder calling. If there's a controversial passage or verse in this in this whole portion of Scripture, it's verse 25, not 22. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Listen, these passage, the whole passage is controversial in our culture. Yet, when it's done, it's beautiful. When husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, and when the wife submits to their husbands as does the church to Christ, it's a beautiful reflection of the gospel. It's what we should be striving for here at Country Oaks. As the culture falls apart around us, as marriages keep falling apart around us, we should be a light to the gospel, to our community. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for the marriages, Lord, here at our church. Lord, I know sin has brought pain and suffering for many, Lord, within the marriage relationship, Lord. But I pray for husbands, Lord, that they would lead, that they would 
love their wife as Christ loved the church, and that means to lead. And I pray for wives, Lord, that they would submit, that they would love their husbands, that they would do it out of trust in you, out of obedience to you, Lord. God, I pray that that relationship and the relationships within our church are just strengthened, Lord. The marriages, Lord, that, that's a beautiful testimony of Christ's love for the church. That it's a beautiful testimony of the gospel, Lord. Be with us in your son's name.